Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick. Uh, surprise, surprise, it's a slow day out there. Uh, I guess that's what you'd expect. On a half day, markets close at one. Well, stock markets close at one. Bond markets close at two. So it's a quiet day today. We'll talk Boeing from yesterday. We'll talk Tesla. Uh, we'll talk uh, the only real interesting after hours uh, news uh, yesterday involved WCC and ACST. So we'll talk about uh, the news from both of those stocks yesterday after the after the bell. Uh, two guests today, one at 8.35, one at 9, our 8.35 guest, Gordon Johnson. He's always a favorite. We'll, of course, talk Tesla with him. And then at 9, we'll be joined by Gene Munster. We'll talk tech with Gene. In the meantime, Joel, what is the word here overnight? Quiet range overnight. We're trading up two handles, 39.29 and a quarter. That all-time closing high from yesterday, 27 and a quarter. Your pre-market low was just below that, 32.26, so very tight range. On the upside, one number on the upside, 32.34 and a quarter. That was Monday's Globex high, all-time high. That's uh, a level, if we get there, is the only resistance we have in the market. We have crude in the green here by 23 cents. I just took a look at the gold chart on your dailies. Boom, 61.40 was the high of the move, flanked by a 61.20 high. So there's the key to the getting into that 62 handle. Gold's just creeping up near the end of the year, up 460 at 1493.30. You have silver doing the same, up 13.6 cents at 17.63.5. Bitcoin finding a home in 7,000 handle, down $45 at 7,365. Triple D. Man, you must have been busy after hours last night. <laughs> that was one of the slowest after hours I think I have ever seen. There was absolutely nothing going on. I was reaching to try to find trades. I found a couple, but and I'll, we'll get into those in a second. First, I just want to give a shout out to the coin collector yes. in YouTube chat. This is the first one. Yes, yeah, streaming. He says he's streaming from 35,000 feet, so he's flying somewhere, he or she. We don't know if the coin collector is a he or a she, but the coin collector 
streaming the show live right now on their airline, streaming from 35,000 feet. So we're even in the sky, Stroll. We're everywhere. The airlines don't stop, and we don't stop. We don't stop either. Yeah, we don't even take breaks on Christmas Eve. Non-stop pre-market prep action coming at you. So, out of all this action that we've had overnight, where do you want to start? <laughs> Spencer's like, I have no idea where because there's no news. Oh, oh, was that directed at me? Okay, well, yeah, you lead the show. You're the producer. Okay, so you're the, you're the producer. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's start with this Wesco thing from yesterday. Is uh, weird. Dennis, you were trying to explain this to us on the pre pre market show. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't quite understand it myself. Uh, I might need another explanation. Okay. But so, explain what happened here after hours with WCC and AXE. Okay, AXE has been getting taken over by Clayton, Dubalier, and Rice. We're calling them CDNR because that's what they call in the press release. Last night at 5.09, they increased the offer for AXC. And the reason behind this, and you had to really dig down, so they ended up increasing it, I believe, $3. So the cash component of it, because I think it went from 80, I'm trying to grab it from the press release too, 82.50 up to 86. So they raised it $3.50. So in, naturally, that's why AXC is trading higher. Full disclosure, I am long a little bit of AXC. Um, and just that's just from the overnight trade because they raised the price. Uh, but the, the interesting part here is in this press release, way down, you have to, you know, this is where the news algos, they don't read the press releases. If you dig down into it, you find out the reason that they're raising it is that they are actually made an offer to WCC as well. So in the press release, it has says, and this is the line about, it's in paragraph one, two, three, four. So the algos would have had to read all the way down to here, and they don't read them. Yeah, so it's human beings that are making the money on WCC last night. So it says, we have been advised by CDNR that it has made a fully financed proposal to Wesco to acquire all of the outstanding shares of Wesco, and that the board of directors of Wesco has determined that the proposal does not form a basis for discussions this time. So they made an offer. The CDNR also made an offer for WCC. So you got this like triangle going on here. WCC is involved with AXE. AXE and CDNR is taking over AXE. Now CDNR might be taking over WCC. So all we know is that, a is that CDNR made an offer for WCC, and WCC apparently um, said they're not interested. That is why WCC is trading up five points here this morning, because they're all of a sudden potentially in play. But there was no headline press release showing that. Um, you had to actually dig down. So if you look at the tape from last night on AX or on WCC, it took almost two minutes for the stock to start trading higher on this news. Um, and there was a lot of stock that went, you know, 56.10 and a pile went at 57. So the human beings who were reading that press release last night are now up significantly because the stock's trading at $60.75 here this morning. So humans beating the algos on this one. So just to confirm again, so CDNR, they're taking over AXE. Now it's been known. You can see right. even in the chart of AXE. They, they you can see that was back from like October. They announced yesterday that they had increased, they'd raised their offer for AXE. And in that same release, buried in there, they yeah. all said, by the way, uh, we made an offer for WCC. Yes. Although it wasn't, the, the release didn't, I guess, didn't come from them. It came from. That uh, is all correct. Came from AXE. But, but AXE is the one describing the, the, these, these events. This time yes. Events. Okay. So the firm and that. the AXE press release. Right. The firm that was. So interesting. AXE, uh, raised their uh, acquisition price yesterday and also said, by the way, we were 
trying to acquire sniffing around and this other company that was sniffing around and it's so it's kind of like i said a love triangle going on here with the wcc axe and cdnr but if you were in the press release so if you're wondering why wcc is trading up at this point i'm sure there's been maybe some i don't know there's probably been some articles published on this now people have figured it out but it took a little while to figure this out i mean with this wcc thing because there was no press release there was no it was in the axe buried in there so I saw WCC trading up last night, and I knew that they had mentioned that in that AXE press release because I had just leafed through it. And I was like, I'm digging and I'm reading. I'm trying to understand this. I was like, oh, I get it. You know, this stock had an offer. They made an offer for it. Buried in that press release. Algos had no idea because, like I said, it took over two minutes. So the algos were not on this. Algos are not on trades two minutes later. They're on trades two milliseconds later. So it's the human beings that actually took the time to read the press release that made the money on this. And there was a lot of stock, Joel. If you look at WCC, yeah, a pile trade of 57 bucks. So there was a lot of maybe some people, you know, not knowing what obviously was happening. And other people who, the, the, the informed traders who actually read the press release were like, take the 57, take the 57s. I, I realized this much after this. This was oh, five after. minutes I that I realized say, after. Sometimes you tell me. And then I was like, oh, I'll bid 58. I was like, oh, I'll bid up some of those too. But it was already too late. So I wish I would have read the press release right off the hop. Yeah, because sometimes you tell me that there's something there and then you do it and then it doesn't move. And then you're like, you're thinking, oh, man, maybe, maybe I'm reading. Maybe this I'm wrong. Part. Yeah, maybe you're wrong or something. But uh um, it's always interesting um just that's down. that's doing your homework pal that's uh you know and obviously someone else did i i'm still confused at the story but it's confusing <laughs> so basically bottom line you don't have to worry about all that it's just that wcc had a bid put on the table and it looks like the board rejected it that's kind of what i read into it so you know sometimes these bids though come back and they come back with a better price and then the board will eventually agree because a lot of times boards just positioning too maybe they want to sell we don't know we don't know what the board is thinking we just know what we read it from that one paragraph in that press release and that's why the stock is trading up five bucks that is the reason we're covering this so much is because this was one of the only interesting stories from last night <laughs> um what else can we talk about you want to talk well about we got to recap what happened yesterday with tesla because we are now officially over the 420 takeout price. Ha ha. Uh, Elon Musk even tweeting out the stock is so high. Oh, that was funny too. Ah. Yes, but Dennis, what, what was actually, you know, I, they, I, I, didn't, I didn't actually look at the close, but uh, okay, here we go. What was the high yesterday, Dennis? Um, I'm bad. It, it got above it. Never mind. I texted him when it, get, when it went to 420. Yeah. 420.42. I yeah. texted him. What a joke. It was funny. What a joke. It's not funny for shorts, though. And this stock goes up every single day. I mean, we had a little pullback there. It, it's still, I'm going to keep saying, people want to keep shorting this. We said this three days ago. Let, let it stop making new highs. It makes a new high every single day. It's making a new high again today. I don't short rocket ships. This is the definition of a rocket ship. Is it overvalued? I don't know. I don't know. It's, how do you even value the thing? So all we know is they're squeezing the hell out of the shorts. The thing's still trying to go higher. Here we were. Is it is the run over done? Yeah, December 5th, it was 327. Now we're 427. If you're buying it now, you are way, way late to the party. How do you know? Is there going to be a 20-point down day in this coming sometime? Yeah, but where? You got to wait till stops going stops going up, in my opinion, before you even, get, even sniff trying to short this thing. I'm not even going to try and short it. I lost a lunch to Jeremy, and that was probably, that was probably my – cheapest uh, way to play it 
But uh, breaking out, I don't know how many updates it's had in a row. I mean, maybe wait for a double top. But I, didn't, I mean, at this point, you know, shorting it, uh, joining the crowd. Let's see what happens. Keep an eye. The old time closing high price is what I'd keep an eye on. Where we closed yesterday, we closed at four four nineteen twenty two with a 422.01 high. Trading above that right now, so I'd say you hold the 4422, continued upside under that, maybe a little back and fill down to the close at uh, 419.22. Some people just asking, going back to uh, just quickly the WCC thing. In your pro, so this was at 509, this AXE uh, WCC thing. In your pro, make sure you check. So if you go into your sources, you know Spencer, uh, I, I don't know if you want to show how to do this, but a lot we have a lot of pro subscribers listening to the show. In your pro, you have to have press releases checked. So I mean, this is so much important information comes from the press releases. It's one of the values of the pro that it gets it all in one place. So you go into sources, you check press releases, then you will see it. Yeah. So wait. So here's how I would do it. So so I'm on the main show. This is like the main pro. Yeah. Group. Show it. So I would do two different news feeds. Okay, you can do yep. you can do four, up to four um, well, widgets per page. Okay, I would do two news feeds. I would do one. I would have my sources be Benzinga Signals and Benzinga Wire. Okay, on the other one, I would have my sources be press releases and SEC filings. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I would keep them separate because yeah. there are way too many press releases and SEC filings to make sense of, okay? So you've got your Benzinga news on your left, your filings and your uh, PRs on your right, okay? And you can just search for, and you can use that as your news tracker, okay? So uh, WCC in, in Benzinga versus WCC in your filings and PRs, there's way more stuff on the right as there should be because there's... That's every uh, press release that's coming from every company. And filings, right? So and here. filings too, SEC filings. So well, maybe you want to, maybe this, the SEC filings get out of hand sometimes. There are so many of those coming. So sometimes maybe you just want the press releases coming in. So you've got to check those to see the stuff. What we're talking about, it was, it was a uh, PR yesterday. It was from AXE. That's who it's it right there. Click it. You can show right. what we're talking about. I read right from this. So the, so the part that Dennis read was in here is buried like four paragraphs down. But like, yeah. Like this is what and then you can see other stock and t- start talking about Wesco. And that's, well, that's interesting. Wesco is trading higher. And there you go. Right. And that's the reason. So I, so. I, I would, so you definitely need to have, you know, your PRs and, and your, and your SEC filings up. I would keep them separate, from, separate from your Benzing and news. Cause there is just so much that you won't make sense of. It won't, it'll be impossible to make sense of. There's just too much stuff otherwise. So that's how I would do it. If it was me, it's just my preference. You can also do a different, entirely different workspace and, the, and what i like to do too spencer is okay you see a stock moving all of a sudden you search in pro you don't see anything well go search under the prs you can go right. search in there exactly. too and then you're like oh there it is so you know oh, like last fun. night we start seeing wcc trade higher so go do a search for just wcc right, right. now on the in the press releases just type wcc right. and boom there it is so, yep. or AXE, sorry. Well, you can see AXE. Right. It was AXE that was moving because it was buried in there. That's why all the news, everybody missed that one last night. But it was under AXE. So, and so I, would do, I would do like... We're teaching you how to use the pro here this morning. But yeah. the key is, you need those press releases. I mean, I use the press releases and there's a lot of them. A lot, even your, even when your company... So here, here's, a, you know, the Benzinger news team is great. They'll break down and tell you the numbers in an earnings release. The earnings release typically first hits the board as a press release. 
So, you know, the company hears the numbers. Now you have the Benzinga news team that will interpret that and give you, you know, the, the, the nuts and bolts in their own, you know, but, but, you know, that can take a few seconds for them to get the nuts and bolts. So, but the PR typically hits first, the press release on so, your earnings. So here's an example. We'll, we'll just go back to last week and we'll do Costco just because yeah. it was relatively recent. Okay. Sure. So Costco had earnings on Thursday, right? So if you look on, I scrolled it back to Thursday here. This is on my, my Benzinga news on my left. We've got our, it was out of 4.15, okay? So 4.15.10. Okay, so here. So, so, so the Benzinga News team has so went into that report, read it, and then published the headlines to well, give you the nuts and bolts. Headlines at 4.16, 4.20, uh, 4.26. They're giving going, you all the, you the important information. Okay? That's all there. That's for you, so you, you don't have to read it. If you want to read it, boom, there it is. 4.15.10, Thursday, Costco Wholesale Reports, uh, first quarter earnings. It's all there. Right. That's when it hits the board for everybody. And that's when the news, that's why you see, oh, the stock's trading already. Well, the news algos can right. quickly read those headline numbers. They can right. pull that out in two microseconds. Exactly. So, you know, that's the difference. Obviously, you know, when you, know, you want to publish and get the meats and nuts and bolts from it, then you've got to actually, you know, read it and then and bring it. And then we write the story on it. That's why it's often, you know, a few seconds later. Right. And the Benzinga news team is fast, but somebody if has, you want it right off the hot off the press, it's a PR. It's, it is all in there in the pro. Yep. So that, and that's... I read these PRs. Like, you know, I do a lot of reading. I'm actually, I, I think I'm turned into a speed reader here because like I've said, you know, I do a lot of, you know, inefficiency trading and I consider myself to, you know, be a news trader as well. And I'm specialized in news interpretation. So I want to go in there and find stuff like that where, you know, there's, okay, there's an inefficiency here. They're raising it, oh, this WCC thing. The news algos aren't on that because it was buried in there, so they don't even know what's going on. So as a human being, there might be a trade. I was slow on that one last night because I saw it trading up afterwards, so I didn't get that one. But I did buy some AXE last night on it. I was actually able to get that right off of the thing. Only a couple hundred shares because that's all that was there. But I was able to lift that, and this morning I'm already, it's already trading up two, to two points. So that was, you know, cut and dry. They were raising the price for AXE, so you could see that that was probably going to go higher. This WCC thing was kind of buried. So the people, the news and interpretation traders who were all over that, congratulations, you beat me on that one because that was uh, impressive to and find so, that so there. One, one more quick thing on this though, if I can go back to the pro here, and you're talking about speed reading and uh, press release here, all the numbers are a different color. So you can just, just go beeline towards the numbers, right? Beeline towards the green. And the pro does that for you. Right, right. This is, and this is in pro, so, right? So like the numbers are what we care about here. In, in, in this case, this is from the PR, the, the WCC AXE thing from last night, right? So yep. your eyes naturally go towards, you know, the green. And that's, yep. where, the, that's where the important information is here, right? Because so if you go just, just to find, the PR. Just find the, just find the green. It, and it's such a good point you're making because if you just go to the regular press release sites, yeah, exactly. it's not going to be like that for you. So the pro no. automatically does that for you, um, colors it. It's, you know, there's an algorithm in there doing that for you so you can quickly extract the important information. Right. And like, from nobody it. cares about this quote, right? Like we don't care about this quote, okay? So just find the green. Exactly. Just find the green. That's, so that's the numbers are usually what's important. That's, that's my exactly right. Find the numbers. We're okay. teaching you how to trade the news. Um, uh, it can be done. Believe you did, it or not, you did get some uh, some comments that uh, that was very helpful. I'm glad. So, uh, Benzinga we, Pro, look at this. We're pitching our own products. We never pitch anything on this show. Like we're pitching our own products. The here, only so. other uh, news, I guess you could say, from yesterday. Are we uh, are we missing somebody? At eight fifteen? Uh no. Gordo's eight thirty five. Gordo. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Okay, yep. So, uh, the only other news I wanted to discuss besides uh, Tesla. 
and the WCC thing, and, and we'll get to Bowman in a bit, but this ACST thing from inter- from yesterday is very interesting. A Cassidy, Talk to me about this because I'm not following the story at all. A Casti Pharma. So they were supposed to release uh, phase three, was it phase, yeah, uh, tri- tri- trial data. They had drug, uh, top-line results from a drug trial supposed to be released yesterday. The stock was halted. Time passed. Data didn't come. Okay, no releases from the company. Stock was halted from one o'clock yesterday, and it hasn't resumed since. At uh, eight thirty last night, the company came out with a PR. They basically said you're gonna have to wait another month. You're gonna have to wait till late January 2020 uh, for these results. So the the results were due yesterday. They never the came. Delaying the results. No update from the company as to why until seven hours later at 8.30 p.m. when yeah. they said, this is not coming today, you wait a month. So the stock has been halted since yesterday at 1.21, uh, I think. And do we know, like, do we have a projected time where it's gonna reopen yet or not yet? 1.26, excuse me. Um, no, I don't know when, it's, when if it, no, I don't have an answer. If that. you want to know, so, and sometimes the pro will republish this information too, but we're teaching you lots of stuff here this morning. Go to NASDAQ halts, Google NASDAQ halts, It'll tell you every single stock that is currently halted. And you can get on there and it'll have the projected. So ACST was halted yesterday. If you go to NASDAQ halts right now, the current trading halts, there's like seven of them on there. ACST halted at 1325.55 yesterday, like Spencer was saying. Reason code is T1, so that's going to be news. Um, and then the resumption time and resumption quote date time are still blank so they haven't given you this hasn't been published yet when they're planning on to resume the time the quote time typically the resumption quote time starts five minutes before the trade time so they haven't put the projected open reopening of this yet but that's where if you want if you're ever in a halted stock google nasdaq halts first link boom nasdaqtrader.com and you'll see the trading halts it's an education Friday on how to, or education day here on Tuesday. Might, might as well be Friday at this point. It feels uh, like Friday because tomorrow we're off. Let's talk about Boeing here. Sure. Uh, obviously, I, I, I guess I was right. As soon as we ended the show, uh, the news was out there at, um, yeah, we, we ended the show at like 9 like, We were trying to delay it to get that news. And it came like a minute after we came like a minute after we ended the show. Uh, yeah. That was what most people were predicting. The CEO is out. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, and also we predicted on the show that the stock would rally significantly if the CEO was out and that is exactly what happened. Um, it reopened low and I, it, they reopened that fast because I was out reopened nine fifteen. Like they reopened it really fast. I wasn't even ready for that. I was like, I was going to re, you know, put an open order in there and I'm like, Oh my goodness, it's already open. And then it was three thirty, three thirty two, three thirty four. I was like, oh, I missed it. So I was doing other things. They reopened that at 9.15, like literally 10 minutes after they halted or 15 minutes, really quick. So anyway, I missed it because they were just open it too fast. I wasn't ready for it, but I wanted to rebuy that open and I probably would have got long at 3.30 if they, I would have realized it was opening that quickly. But I was doing other things. I got sidetracked. I have a lot of positions in the morning and I just never got back to Boeing to put the order in there. And anyways, it opened at 3.30 and then straight up in the pre-market where that is. So, so you, you could have made some money on Boeing. Joel, you're silent in the background. Are you still alive? Yeah, no, I'm here. We lost him, I think. No, no, I just... uh, The defibrillator. Oh, no, he is there. Okay. I was looking at the trading hours, and someone asked me about it. 
the spoos will stay open until 145 or 1345, right? So that's 145. That seems like a weird time. And Why, that, was that for real? Why is they doing that time? Uh, I don't, well, because the... Uh, this is why I don't trade the spoos anymore. It's too annoying. Oh. We open, we close. Oh, we're closed for 45 minutes in the middle of the after-hour session because we got to have our reset and rest on those quotes. Let the quotes rest for 45 minutes. That's all silliness. Anyways, so... All you equity traders need to know is that we close at one o'clock on the stocks and after hours close at five. That's what you need to know. If you're trading after hours, open till five. Okay. At five, everything's closed. At five, it's like shut down everything. So yeah, Spoo's close 145? Yeah, that's what it says. When and do they reopen? Do they trade on Christmas? No, they don't. I th they're not going to uh, reopen at six. I think they're not. I think they're going to reopen uh at six on wednesday in the morning and no it's six in the, at night i think i don't know if there's gonna be any trading well out. christmas is wednesday so christmas that's... is wednesday so normally thursday session would start at um at 6 p.m on on wednesday night and i'm just trying to see here if they're gonna do that or they're gonna i, I don't know when else they would open it but uh Definitely, definitely is going to be, there'll be no trading tomorrow. Of, I think until 26 is the full day though. Yeah. Yeah. So the back in the saddle, 26 is just normal full day action. You get one day off here and then, so it's half day today, full day off tomorrow. And then new year's closes, new year's full day though, right? Yeah. And then full and, and then obviously the first off. So, okay. So there's your holiday hours. we got that all straightened out. Uh, you know, for me, I was talking about the Boeing and it's out of there. It's, you know, it's away from the support here. I think it's really going to be important to see if it gets back up to the upper end of the trading range. You know, if this is such good news, I think, I don't know. I just, I just still. 340 is big. Yeah. Yep. Yesterday's high, 340.58. And you can see, so if you just go out to your deal, it kind of jumps out at you because you had all those lows back in October. After it breached back in October, we made the big low down 324. Then we got back up. We got it back up over 340, and the 340 became like a, you know, just this you know, huge support level where we kept bouncing off of it. And then we eventually came back. Came back down. We bounced off the first time, then took it out. Now we're getting back there. So the old support becomes new resistance yep. trick. Does come into play here. So I will say Joel's number is very important as well. You want to see this get back up above 340.58. Uh, but pullbacks are going to get bought in here too. So I think, and I said this before, I think the Boeing low is in. I said this two days after. So I said this on the you day. You did. You the call. Yeah. Um, actually I even on that day, I was like, this 320 is huge. If we can bounce off that, I said that Boeing on that bad news could potentially close green. I didn't make any money on it, but I called it pretty well. Um, and obviously, you know, we've been up since then. So I still think the Boeing low is in. I still think you're going to see buyers on pullbacks here, especially since the CEO is out now. Some of the stuff maybe gets put behind us. Obviously the cash flows are still a concern with this plane offline here. Plane ever comes back, those stock could get a huge pop, but you know we don't know when that's going to happen. That could be a long ways out. So cash flows are going to hurt here for a while. But with that being said, I do think that the 320 low is in. I mean, if it goes, eventually takes it out. I'm wrong, but I think the 320 low is in. My only advice here is the stock has a long way to zero. So if you're going to buy this thing, have an out somewhere. 320. Have and, and this is great, and we don't give advice on the show, but if we ever did, the advice that we get is stay disciplined. 
That's right. what we can say overall is the disciplined trader is how you stay in the game. When you buy a stock on a support level and it takes it out and you were buying it just because of that support level, that means your initial reasoning for getting in the stock is now gone and there's no reason for you to stay in that position. You can put on any trade, any trade, as long as you have an out. Do not let a trade become an investment. We see it again and again and again. People Even if it's an investment. Even if it's an investment, have it out somewhere, right? Have it out. Exactly. And you know what? I do this wrong in my investment portfolio is that, you know, even myself is that I don't typically have the outs on the investment portfolio. I like long term. I try to like forget about it. I'll let it do its thing. The one thing I do right though is, and this is where everybody does it wrong, is on their investment portfolio is they sell their winners and they hold on to their losers until they come back. And eventually what happens inevitably is your portfolio will be full of losers and it will just, you know, because even if you nine out of 10 of them come back, well, the one that doesn't, We'll start to erode your capital. And then you get hit with another one eventually and another one. And eventually you're just full of losers and your money and your capital just starts to deteriorate. And that is how you lose almost guaranteed in the stock market by selling your winners and holding on to your losers. In my long-term portfolio, I hold on to my winners and my losers. You know, that's how I have a stock like MasterCard that I bought at $16. You know, and I've talked about this one before. Um, you know, it's 297 because I've held on. So if you're going to hold stocks to zero, you better be holding stocks when they're up to 100 to 300% too because that'll make up for it. But, you know, and that's the only way you can just do the whole fully Warren Buffett approach. But typically, when the story changes and the story breaks, I will take my losers and get out. There is some that I'm still with, but, you know, for the most part, I like to try to cut my losers even in my investment portfolio. But as trades, I have zero tolerance for losers. I eat those right away. My day trading portfolio goes flat every single day, typically, you know, unless I have a swing trade on, which is the odd one I do. But pretty much, you know, overnight and I typically, you know, I get out of all my trades. Usually I trade the open and then I usually take the middle of the day off. And I'm usually out by 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I'm usually flat on all of my day trades. And then obviously I trade the close, trade after hours and I reposition. And then, you know, that's how I trade. But I, if I have a loser that, you know, all of a sudden news went against me on something, I eat it, you know, right away. I was like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm down four points in that. I only want to lose a buck too bad. I lost four, move on got to eat the losses. Dennis, did you read uh, this article in the journal on Friday about the Voya Corporate Leaders Trust? They have not made a change to their por- a significant change to their portfolio since 1935. That's crazy. They 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 bought some stocks in the in the 30s and the 20s and they have They're helped. probably worth a lot of money. Yeah, well, I mean, not all of them are still around, right? Well, uh, Polaroid, and <laughs> at a certain point in time, you got to lock in some profits because so they, if you, you know, stick it, with the long, if you stick with companies long enough, sometimes you know they boom and bust, right? Right. So, right. so you know, they they don't hold any any tech. Obviously, they haven't made a change in in, in eighty six years, but they they own they they own like Berkshire basically. They own they own a lot of uh, Berkshire type companies, but uh, that's what you need to do. You need to buy and hold for 86 years. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I have 86 years here left, but you know, I do intend. There's been some stocks that I've held. GE was one that I held for a long time. I had GE. I bought GE back in 2001 and I held it for like 15 years. Terrible when you think about it. And at the end of the day, I ended up losing on it. So, and, and, you know, I, and people say, oh, well, you got all the dividends and I wasn't doing dividend reinvestments, which is, you know, sometimes an argument, you know, why maybe you don't reinvest your dividends because in the case of G, I probably took out more dividends than I actually put in, in the stock in those 15 years. And if I was doing full dividend reinvestment, I would be losing for sure on it because the stock could trade higher for so many years. But, you know, eventually and I have forward in my portfolio for years too. Um, I eventually just sold both those out because I think the stories are broken. 
So, and, you know, so you, you move on. So they're not all good ones. You know, MasterCard was a great one. G and Ford were terrible. Hey, let's just take a quick look at uh, Frank in the chat. Uh, FedEx, look look at that. Three lows in at the same area here, Dennis. Are you willing to go out and well, say? We ought to won't know why it popped yesterday. And I don't think we got to this on the show, but I actually did buy FedEx for a trade overnight. Why? An insider buy. Those insider buys when the stocks are in the gutter matter. And nobody was given that love. It wasn't a big buy. But you had a director, and if we go into the pro and to oh. you know, the SEC releases, you can see this. Edwardson, John Edwardson, who's a director, bought 10,000 shares in the open market at 148.22. He, and he went and did that, um, well, it would have been, you know, obviously in the last three days because stock was down there. So in a pop three points yesterday, I think that was the catalyst because it started popping after that was released, that information. Huh. So those director buys, and sometimes director buys don't matter at all. You know, CEO buys are always kind of noted, but director buys aren't noted as much, especially when they're not that big. But when a stock's in the gutter and it's been beat up, you know, and obviously FedEx beat up, and all of a sudden you get a vote of confidence from a director, that can help the stock. And that is why the stock was up three points yesterday, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, no other. And, and uh, you know, three bottoms in the same area. Now you're getting into the gap area. Your gap, oh boy, a bunch of setups. It here. is downgraded today, though. Who, so let's uh, not get too excited. 152.77, that was your high on the earnings day. Hit 152.76 yesterday. You are getting a downgrade, but at, that's important level. That beginning of, I want to be downgrading it here. What if it gets in that gap? There's a nice gap to fill. I believe it's Argus downgrading up today. To that is correct. It is Argus. So, Argus downgraded the stock here today. So don't get too excited here. It already got downgraded. But I think there's underneath demand here now. 146. You do have that nice triple bottom in place there. So I think you're fine. Buy. This is one. Sometimes you know we fade the analysts. I would fade the. I'm think I'm. I'm still long in the long term account. But this gets down at 148. I might put it on for a trade again too, and then stopping myself out at the 146.24 low again as a trade. You got to set up. Where's my out? Where's my out? Out clearly defined here. You have the triple bottom that we're looking at. Three lows in a row there. So you have a nice out there. So you're buying at 148. Well, you know you're risking yourself two bucks. Uh, Fix that out. While the low of the move obviously wasn't in. I want to get two things in here. We'll we'll stick on the insider buys and sells here. I believe it's what Travis Klenick or Klanick. He's down to ten percent only in his position in Uber. He sold ninety percent of his holdings. Is that right? When did yeah. they do that? He's been doing that for a while. Dumping, dumping, dumping. Yeah, yep. He's cash. Not a believer. Out. No, he's not a believer. Um, in market, don't seem to care. Yeah, it's just kind Stocks of hand, coming man. back. Thirty-one looks huge in this. Uh, the last two highs rob is asking about starbucks and this thing is it's getting ready to do something here i wish i had a crystal ball to tell you what it's gonna do but look at the trading range here from 87 and a half up to 89 that's been your range basically for one two three four five six seven eight sessions in a row so i don't know expensive to do the uh the options i don't know to me it kind of looks like it's hit it's rallied as much as it can hit resistance looks like it's getting ready to go back down but wait trade the range there real consolidation station yep trade the bottom or the you know the breakdown or the breakout so that's what i'm looking at it ain't gonna stay here forever and look at this he had three closes right around 88 40 decision time in starbucks so 
we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens uh, today and uh, the rest of the week. I'll be in Chicago next week. I am going to that new like four story Starbucks. I will I will report back as to how. Oh, you're going to Monday and Tuesday, right? Right. Okay. Right. Um. So I will report back as to how this new fancy dancy Starbucks is and uh, mm-hmm. how many shares of Starbucks I've bought. In the interim, uh, it is eight thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, we are waiting for Gordon to to join us here. So, uh, while we wait for Gordon, there are a few ratings since we. Uh... Well, I wanted to talk Disney just before you go to the ratings. Because... Oh, Disney! Okay, I saw the movie last night. How was it? The movie. The, the movie. movie. So, uh, Rise of Skywalker. You know what? Okay, so the movie reviews, and I've been following this along, were terrible. And, you know, obviously the stock was down two points yesterday because even the numbers were disappointing over the weekend. Even though they're, they're crazy numbers, it's still, it was disappointing. So my expectations were very low going into this because uh, obviously the reviews are coming, uh, were not good, and stock getting the beats yesterday um, because the movie wasn't, uh, didn't get as many people seeing it as they had hoped. Yep. So I had very low expectations going in. I thought it was okay. I wasn't like, wow, that was a good movie. Like Rogue One, when I saw that, I was like, man, that was a good movie. This was okay. It was like, I think my lower expectations helped. I think if I had high expectations going into it, I would have been disappointed. But I had low expectations going in. So I was like, it was okay. It brought back some cool characters. It was, I'm not going to give anything away. But I'll just, all I'm going to say is it got to the point now where it's unbelievable. I mean, Star Wars was never believable, the Force moving stuff around. But now the Force is just out of hand. It's like, it's just too ridiculous. So, in my opinion, they've taken it too far. That's all. Star so, Wars jumped the shark when they made sound in space. We all know there's no sound in space, right, Joel? That's a good point, too. You know, it's something I, we don't Joel, think about. Don't, there's no sound in space. There's, there is no sound in space. There's no medium to carry the sound. What was there? You can what? yell at the top of your lungs from outer space, Joel. Like me, if you want to silence me, send me to outer space. Yeah, I just I see don't my lips moving You'll find you a way it. to talk in outer space. Put him on a, yeah. uh, a SpaceX Wait, or whatever. Uh, there was Star Wars 1 and then Star Wars 2 and then The Empire Strikes Back. Is that how it went? No, Empire is 2. Empire is 2? Yeah. I think that's the Star last. Wars and then and Empire maybe Strikes I, Back. I saw Star Wars for sure and I saw The Empire Strikes Back and then I Star Wars A New Hope. And then I haven't seen any of them since then. I don't like those movies. That's just, okay. You're allowed not to I'm, like I'm them. I'm the only one. You're you are the only one. You're not the only one. I promise. So uh, Brad, you like Star Wars? Yeah. Oh, yes. Star Wars? Okay. Not the only one. Yeah. Uh, are you, Spencer's going to go see this movie. Of uh, course he is. Eventually. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a movie guy. The I'm Mandalorian, a- though, I'll tell you, that's good. So if you, if you got Disney Plus or if you have you know access to whatever, how to watch The Mandalorian, it's seven episodes in now. That's good. I like this Mandalorian thing. So, like, I'm and the eighth I episode, I believe, comes yet. out on Friday. Man, it's good. Have not gone around to that yet. Like, um, that's flat out good. So, reviews are good, and you know, go in there, and Mandalorian is good. Baby Yoda. All right. Well, let's. That's enough of the Star Wars talk. Let's bring on our guest. Our first. I guest. like the Star oh. Wars talk. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I know. But let's bring on our first guest today, Gordon Johnson. He's the founder of GLJ Research. Gordon, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for making time for us today, Gordon. Uh, we'll get to Tesla, but I want to start off with Aurora Cannabis here. You uh, <laughs> came out last week, I think it was last week, I believe it was last yeah. week, with a, uh, a rather bearish outlook on Aurora Cannabis. You said it is worth zero dollars. Uh, I believe that was Canadian. And then <laughs> yes, yesterday... They, they announced that the CCO, Cam Batley, has resigned. So ACB 
uh, and the stock did not react well to that headline. Um, outline for us the bearish thesis here, Gordon, on Aurora Cannabis. Yeah, and one other thing I'd add, it, not just did, did, uh, did Cam resign, but um, uh, Director Jason Dyke uh, sold 57% of his holdings recently. I think that also had something to do with the downside um, yesterday. But look, here's the reality. Um, and, you know, I, I, like, I like the management there, at least um, you know, the IR guys who spoke to us initially. Um, but I think the reality is, you know, there's a, key, a number of key things that I think are problematic for Aurora. Number one is um, in the revolver they have with BMO, recently they added covenants to that revolver. One of the covenants is the debt to EBITDA ratio has to be below four times by September of 2020. There's a, a number, there are two other covenants in that, in that, um, um, in that revolver. But, uh, but basically what that does is it puts, it turns on the, 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 the ticker, if you will, the, 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 the time clock, if you will, with respect to Aurora having to get to profitability. And we don't think they're going to get to profitability. And I think a lot of people are looking at 2.0 products. If you guys remember on the Q3 call that Aurora did, you know, they projected that, you know, you're going to have 40 new stores opening per month in Ontario. Uh, and they thought that you're going to have as much as 480 additional stores open in Ontario um, in 2020. The reality, however, is um, the Ontario government has come out and said they're only going to open 20 new stores per month and probably get to a total of 180 stores. And when you add to that a number of the provinces um, uh, like Quebec um, and Nova Scotia are significantly limiting edibles and some of them are basically forbidding vaping products, we think the 2.0 rollout is gonna be much less robust. In fact, we think it's gonna be more of a headwind than a tailwind because we think the sales are gonna disappoint. So the point is, as Aurora's numbers continue to disappoint, keep in mind, these guys, um, you know, their share count is over the past, I think, three years has went from 100 million to a billion. Uh, they're perpetual um, deluders of their equity holders. Um, you know, they have a lot of debt due um, and they have these, you know, very restrictive covenants that effectively would allow, if they so choose, BMO to take over the company um, if they're not profitable by September of next year, which we, um, uh, our model suggests they won't be. So it's not just that, you know, clearly, you know, you have a ton of inventory, um, you know, cannabis companies are being forced to buy back product. I'm not stating this wrong. You're hearing this correct. Every single sale that a Canadian pot company has made to a province effectively can be forced back to them. Um, I don't think people are aware of that. Canopy has had product forced back to them. And just recently it was revealed that Hexo has had product forced back to them with 29 months of inventory right now in the Canadian pot market. We think this is going to be a bigger problem in 2020. Um, we think it gets a lot worse before it gets better. And, um, you know, we think that, um, you know, the debt holders are effectively going to end up uh, owning this company. So that's why we think the equity has very little value, uh, no value, rather. Hey, Gordon. Dennis Dick, I just want to take it into some other stocks and sector. I'm not sure which ones you cover here specifically, but if you do, you're giving kind of a bearish outlook for Canada altogether. So you look at, you know, Kronos and Canopy Growth and Afria. There's just a ton of these stocks out there. Are you looking, you know, that these are, you know, do you think more downside for these as well? Yeah, we cover Tilray. Uh, we also okay, cover Tilray. Tilray. Um, we, we have a $4, four, $4 uh, Canadian price target, so we think there's significant downside left there. Uh, the benefit that Tilray has is Privateer is a big holder. Keep in mind, Privateer just sold, I think, roughly 13% of their holdings. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, overall, it's just, again, you, 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 this, you can't overstate this. I mean, there's 29 months of inventory 
based on Health Canada data as of um, the most recent uh, filing. Uh, Health Canada data is somewhat delayed. That's as of September, 29 months of inventory. That's over two years of inventory that if not one additional sale was made, uh, the market would have sufficient you know, wow. sufficient supply, if you will. And keep in mind, again, I cannot overstate this either. Every single province right now, and keep in mind, you know, cannabis is a perishable product. It does have a, um, uh, a, a due date, if you will, an ex- expiration date. Um, you know, these guys, every single um, Canadian province, if they so deem, can force back product to these companies. And you're starting to see it happen. Hexo announced it in their uh, calendar third quarter. Uh, they said, basically, the way they positioned it was, well, we had the buyback product last quarter, too, but we brought back less product this quarter. They didn't reveal that in the quarter prior. But with 29 months of inventory, um, you know, with a market that we think is going to be oversupplied, we think that, um, you know, tangible demand is around probably 500,000 to a million kilograms, whereas you have supply of just the publicly traded companies of roughly 2.5 million kilograms. And when you add in the non-publicly traded guys, as well as the black market, you're probably talking about 3.5, um, 3.5 million kilograms of supply. So you're talking about a market that is structurally oversupplied 3.5 times with 29 months of inventory. I mean, I've never, and, and this is a pure commodity product. It's something that, you know, a college kid can grow in their dorm room. Um, so, you know, yeah, things don't get better before they get worse. And one of the key things that I think a lot of people have gotten confused on in the cannabis space is, for instance, you know, um, the same thing for Tilray, but Aurora says they're in 25 countries across five continents, right? Um, a year ago, that number was 15 countries across, I think, four continents or three continents. Um, and if you look at their international sales over that time frame, they went from 3.9 million to 5.5 million or just 6, 6, 6.6% of total. The point is that's an extremely misleading statistic that essentially all these companies provide. And everybody's assuming, hey, these companies are going to grow internationally. The problem is when they say they're in like a country like Mexico, they're serving three guys in a medical study. So the point is you can't sell recreational cannabis outside of Canada by law. Um, and these medical studies are very, you know, small. You know, when I say small, I'm talking about you're looking at like 10, 10, 10, 10 patients in a hospital who are using, you know, raw cannabis as, you know, um, product, and they're counting that as a country they're in. So, you know, these investors think, well, my God, they're expanding into all these different countries, but the reality is much more grim. So I think that a lot of that reality really starts to hit home this year. Clearly it's hit home this year um, in 2019. I, I meant to say next year in 2020 um, when the, the 2.0 products disappoint and, um, you know, these guys continue to have to tap the capital markets to stay in business. I mean, it, you know, it's the same thing for Tilray, but if you look at Aurora, their G&A expense alone was more than their entire gross profit in the most recent quarter. That is a recipe for disaster. All right, let's let's move on away from the cannabis uh, names into a name, another name that you're bearish, uh, Tesla, which we've, we've talked about this stock every day on the show for the past two weeks here, won't stop going up. Um, has Has your view changed at all here? No, I mean, I, you know, I'm a fundamental analyst. Um, what a stock does does not change my view. Um, it's it's extremely painful. Um, the stock is completely decoupled from reality. Uh, but Tesla now has an enterprise value greater than Ford and GM combined. Um, and these car these co- these are companies that you know produce the same amount of cars Tesla does annually in a matter of days. Um, 
I could give you 50 reasons why the equity is worth significantly less than $50, um, uh, but the stock doesn't care about any of them right now. You know, and it's not just Tesla. I think if you look at any highly shorted stock right now, um, some of the stocks we cover that are highly shorted are just, you know, up every day. Um, uh, and I think that, we'll, you know, we're, we're kind of in a 1999-like Internet stock bubble all over again. In fact, it's not just the Internet stocks. It's every stock. Um, and I think that's being driven by, you know, uh, billions of dollars that the Federal Reserve is pumping into the market um, on a weekly basis. If you look at the Fed's balance sheet and the stock market, they're nearly perfectly correlated. Um, you know, I think Tesla has big problems next week. Um, and when I say big problems, you know, they're benefiting now from a U.S. tax credit that goes away, you know, in a few days. You know, January 1, 2020, there's no longer any incentive uh, to buy a Tesla car from the U.S. government. Um, in addition to that, if you look at what's happening in the Netherlands for Tesla, sales uh, there are, you know, very strong right now because January 1st, 2020, um, the tax benefit you get there from buying an electric car uh, becomes less robust. So this is what you call demand pull-in, but still I think their numbers um, are not going to be, you know, <laughs> extremely robust. You know, initially their guidance I think was 360 to 400,000 cars um, for the full year. I think they're going to be at the low end of that. I think they're going to be above the 360 which they need to do, I think, one, 104, basically 105,000 cars. I think they're going to be above that. So I think they'll be slightly above the low end of their guidance. But I think things really get bad for them next year. I mean, there's so many questions with this company, right? I mean, you have the, um, the, 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 the funding secured a comment by Elon Musk. Um, you know, he picked this arbitrary 420 number, which he admitted was, you know, basically a weed joke. And now it's, you know, everybody's giving, uh, giving Tesla credit for being at 420, even though, you know, essentially it was admitted that it was a joke. Um, uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 but you have that. You have the Solar City um, acquisition and, and litigation that, uh, you know, you're going to hear a lot more about next year. Um, you have real competition from the likes of the Volvo Polestar, the Mercedes EQC. Um, you know, the Jaguar I-Pace and the Audi e-tron are doing quite well. Uh, the Porsche Taycan. Taycan. Um, the point is you have real competition coming in um, in 2020, not just in European markets, but also in, um, in, in, in U.S. markets. Um, and so, I think so, you have, you know. Yep. So, Gordon, so no, go ahead. in the long term, you may end up being right. I don't know. But in the short term, how do you advise your clients to – to, to short the stock or to bet against stock in any way you can't um it, it doesn't yeah, i mean it doesn't when you say you can't I, I i mean you can i'm sorry go ahead yeah I, I get technically you can but i mean the, it doesn't stop going up i mean it's like you said it's incredibly painful yeah, yeah it's no, not just it, gordon it, it, though there's a lot of yeah but there's been so many people you know on the street and i think gordon makes some excellent arguments here on you know from a fundamental basis and i don't think you're coming out and telling everybody to short the hell out of it you're just saying don't own it sell it because you think eventually yeah, I mean, we're, it's not, going we're not we're not pounding the table to short we're not pounding the table to short the stock here but i think no. the equity value of tesla is in you know the, the 40 dollar range and you know i mean you get you get moments like this in the stock market where stocks go up 
But, you know, if you're looking at a stock that, you know, Tesla has, you know, people talk about this company like it's a startup. They've been around for 10 years. They lost money every single year. Thus far this year, they're close to a billion dollars in losses. Um, and we think they'll continue to lose money every single year. I mean, you know, to say you can't short it, I mean, I, I guess you could take that standpoint, but that's just not our viewpoint. Uh, we, we look at the fundamentals of the company. You know, in, in, in the third quarter, um, you know, there were a lot of things they did that we think were, um, you know, uh, you know, it, it wasn't fundamental to the story. Their revenues were down year over year. The first time ever their revenues have fallen year over year. So you're talking about a company who's being, um, you know, valued as a high growth, you know, essentially exponential growth story where, you know, you have revenues now declining year over year. Um, and, you know, they may eke out a profit in the fourth quarter, but I think once we get into 1Q, they're going to go back into deep, deep losses uh, because they're not going to have this benefit of, you know, one-time demand pulling for a U.S. tax credit that's going away and a Norwegian tax credit that's becoming less, 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 uh, less beneficial. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the stock is doing things that we didn't think it was going to do. Uh, are we wrong right now? Yeah, absolutely, we're wrong. Um, but, you know, we think when you say long term, I don't know I don't know what type of time frame you're talking about. But for us, I think that as you get into next year, I think it becomes very difficult for Tesla because you don't have, you know, the benefit of, you know, demand pool in markets. You know, in Q3, you know, what they did is effectively, we believe, um, they went out to essentially all of the um, suppliers for the Model Y. The Model Y is effectively 75% of the same parts of the Model 3, and they asked them for all the rebates up front so they could recognize all those rebates in Q3 instead of over time, um, and that, that benefited them significantly on the gross margin line. Um, so there's a number of things they're doing that, you know, it's easy to overlook if you want to be bullish. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I, I saw today that BMW um, is being investigated by the okay. SEC for uh, aggressive sales practices, um, you know, saying their cars can do things, for, you know, in full self-driving that they can't. And, you know, it's like, you know, Tesla's saying things like this every day, it seems like. Um, but that's, that's besides the point. I think that, look, our, our view on Tesla has always been the same. It was that competition um, uh, would come in and hurt them. And if you look at fundamentally, if you talk about, you know, a company where you've had multiple executive departures, uh, you have sales that turn negative in Q3 for the first time ever. Um, uh, and you have uh, U.S. sales that are now trending down, right? This is their most mature market. U.S. sales that are trending down on a monthly basis, you know, 30 to 40, 30 to 50% year over year. If I told you that at the beginning of the year, I, you know, you'd probably think Tesla stock would be down, and it's not. So it, it's, it's just it's dis, it's dislocated um, uh, from, from, you know, fundamentals, but, you know, eventually it will get back to that. This is an auto OEM, not a technology company. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the higher it goes, you know, the more advantageous you can look at it as a short. Uh, one more for you. U.S. Steel here uh, got hit, um, had the uh, guidance cut. Uh, just got to give us your outlook for U.S. Steel, symbol X in 2020. Yeah, so U.S. still, um, you know, I think they have big problems. Um, and, you know, what we mean by that is, so let's just look at the numbers, right? So they, 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 they cut their guidance, clearly. Um, you know, they, 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 they pull back their dividends. They said that's going to save them about, um, I think, $25 million. And they cut their CapEx next year by $75 million. So total savings of $100 million, right? 
but here's the problem. Uh, due to uh, effectively unemployment and employee benefit costs, the calculation for each worker that effectively they're basically putting, basically firing at Great Lakes, Great Lake Works, it's about $100,000 per worker. That's the cost. So 1,500 workers, that's $150 million annualized in cost. So already, you know, you have more expense than cost benefit. But you also have to add to that, when AK still idled Ashland Works in 2017, and they're, they're, I think it was a 3Q, um, or I'm sorry, the 2017 10K, they said the cost was about $2 million per month to idle Ashland Works. And if you look at, you know, Ashland Works capacity, 2.2 million tons, Great Lake Works, 3.8 million tons, that's another 41 million. So total, total expenses to do the move that, that basically to, 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 to basically idle Ashland Works, 191 million versus the benefit of 100 million. So already you're looking at a dilutive um, uh, dynamic for, AK, uh, or I'm sorry, for U.S. still. I don't think people are fully aware of that dynamic. People are just looking at the guidance cut. I think this is going to be diluted for them. That's number one. Number two, right? You know that we know that you know Newcore and um, Steel Dynamics, you know, took down their net income numbers, and, and the stocks, you know, took a, a, a modest hit for 4Q. But X is guiding to negative. What is it? 25 million in EBITDA, and that's before the 225 million in restructuring and other charges, quote unquote, um, that uh, that they're going to take. So my point is. Our our problem with U.S. still all along has has always been the same. They're the high cost guy, or among the you know one of the high cost guys. So and and that's just being proven in 4Q, right? 4Q of this year, they're guiding to you know negative 25 million in EBITDA, whereas you know the, um, the I'm sorry the electric arc furnace guys are guiding to you know basically um, a positive net income. So you know you got to look at you know over the past decade essentially, U.S. still has done a number of things to include. You know, Carnegie Way, asset revitalization, you know, technology investments, and most recently the investment in Big River. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 basically the EAF mill they're looking to purchase. And it seems like, you know, based on this most recent announcement, none of that has been successful. Um, and, you know, I think you really have to question, you know, their execution uh, on this ever-evolving, you know, operational strategy of theirs. And you also really have to question um, you know, their viability um, uh, as a going concern, um, given this move they're making. Again, th this move, it, it, based on our calculation, creates $191 million in costs and only $100 million in benefits. So this is a dilutive move, um, uh, you know, <laughs> into a market where, you know, they're not going to be able to benefit from having this Great Lakes Works facility up. So, you know, I think that U.S. still, you know, at – Today's prices clearly um, is, is is structurally loss making, and when you think of things, uh, some of the you know dynamics out there, like you know we look at demand, um, you know two key demand drivers for still being auto demand and uh, residential demand. You know automotive uh, production is decidedly negative right now, and non-resi construction spend is decidedly negative right now. And then when you think of all the incremental supply that's coming online because of you know the Trump. Um, tariff benefits. It's just you have an oversupplied market and a vendor who is structurally um, loss-making at these prices, and we think prices are going to go lower from here. So we think things get a lot worse for U.S. still uh, before they get better. Uh, Gordon, uh, before I let you go here, if, is there anything, any stock that you do like next year? I want to end this interview on a high note here. Uh, anything you do like for 2020? 
we're working on um, a sector that we like. Clearly, we can't say it right now, but we'll have something for you guys, hopefully in early 2020. Um, we think it's a structural long that's going to work in a big way. But again, can't say it right now. Right. Um, of the stocks we cover, um, you know, I think our, our, our the, the one that we think is the best positioned is First Solar. Um, it's the only neutral rating we have. Um, I think we think First Solar does well due to the contracts they've locked in um, through the end of basically 2021. So that would be the only one we officially cover. But we are working on uh, something we think is very exciting uh, that we're going to you know, that, 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 that will give you guys um, some uh, ammunition on the long side. All right, Gordon Johnson is the founder of GLJ Research. Gordon, have a great rest of your year. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. And we'll talk to you again in 2020. Same to you. Take care. All right. Thanks, Gordon. All right. Thanks, Gordon. 8.59 here. Uh, we are going to bring on our next guest in a minute here, but uh, guys, in between that and this, any uh, any thoughts on that or any other final thoughts for uh, for the day? Um, it's holiday trade. It's going to be quite obviously. We have the one o'clock close, so don't get surprised. And you'll know, be long and start like, whoa, we're close. I remember the early close and balances are fairly small. Again, holiday trade. GE though, always there, never leaving. Three hundred thousand to sell this morning in General Electric. Like clockwork, I cannot believe that's been going on. It feels like for years. Johnson Johnson, thirty thousand to sell. Bristol Myers, forty thousand to sell. Those kind of stand out a little bit from an opening and balance perspective. CRM stands out, forty three thousand to sell in Salesforce.com. So keep an eye on that one there. Interesting, just the CRM. You know, you have a lot of stocks making new highs. CRM is still struggling right at the area it was in November. So I'm not sure if it's failing there, but you need to get up over that 65, 165 in a hurry. Otherwise, it might be failing. What are you thinking, Joel? Uh, just uh, 34 and a quarter is a target on the upside. And if we take out that pre-market low, uh, the highest low we ever made that came in yesterday at uh, 24 and a quarter. All right. Let's bring on our next guest, Gene Munster. He is a managing partner and uh, founding member at Loop Ventures. Uh, Dennis, I don't know if you're going to hang out or not. But oh, hang on. Let's say hi to Gene for a moment. Gene, good morning. Morning. How are we doing this morning? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, so I don't know how much of, of that last in, uh, interview you were able to hear, if any, but uh, I believe you you, you you cover, not cover, but uh, look at Tesla. Um, is your view as bearish or close <laughs> to it as $40 price target? Um, I guess uh, it is representative. No is the answer. I think that this has measurable upside. It's hard to put a price target on a company that really doesn't make a lot of money. This is a similar problem that Amazon's had for a long time, as we all know. But I think that, uh, so I did not hear uh, most of the previous interview. What is um, my takeaway just from that comment is that despite the move in the stock, there is still this very divided group on Tesla. Um, my goal is not to be in the fanboy group and think that this uh, will go up into infinity, but be in the level-headed group that uh, recognizes that there is an undeniable truth around electrification of vehicles. Tesla um, maintained their 75% market share in 2019. Um, we had made a prediction that they would have uh, greater than 50% share, and that prediction, uh, this is a year ago, we made this prediction, and that prediction was viewed as 
being overly optimistic for Tesla because there's going to be seven new entrants into the U.S. Um, EV market. My point is this, is that uh, building electric cars is not the same as building a typical car. This is uh, a computer on wheels, a different manufacturing process, different tools, different expertise. Um, you think about what's going on on the self-driving piece. So I think that it is, uh, yes, it is true. I think most people would agree that the future of automotive is electrification, but I think that there is this head start that Tesla has that is going to continue to move the stock higher. Um, the, the big lever here around the short cover is probably three quarters off the table. Um, my guess is the short position is probably now down to about 10%. It was at one time 23%. Um, but, uh, uh, I do think that the stock goes higher. So is it, uh, is it reacted to be in a car company? I mean, there was at one point when, uh, you know, it was saying, well, it's more than a car company. It's a computer company. Uh, you know, all the information from being in the car. So or is it, it's back being a car company now. Well, um, I, I was saying that it's, uh, this is not a car company. This is okay. it's manufacturing, uh, uh, but there's an undeniable truth that it plays into that the future of automotive is electrification. So I, I think that uh, that future of electrification is going to change kind of how we define what a car is. I, I know that that sounds like I'm, I'm a fanboy here, but I just, whether it's Tesla or someone else, how the car, um, uh, just like the PC is very, different today. It's been broken down into um, a smartphone and uh, a, a portable a laptop and a wearable watch. Uh, the same is going to happen in the car. All right. And we've talked, I've talked about this before with you. I just see less cars on the road eventually, you know, with self-driving cars. And I know it's going to be a future. So, I mean, is that the promise going to be, you know, more of these cars are going to be Tesla than the other cars? Or is I just see, you know, just in, in five, 10 years, though, you know, overall production of cars is going to be way down. And it, are they going to benefit from, you know, is everyone going to be driving these expensive Teslas? I, I agree that the, uh, oh, yeah, population growth, but that's pretty modest. Sure. But, yeah. Uh, um, you know, maybe to say that the number of cars are down slightly or flattish, that makes sense. So globally, it's called it 90 million cars sold a year. Uh, Tesla will do 350,000 cars this year. Um, uh, think about BMW, that's two and a half million, just as a point of reference. The, the, um, the biggest car companies like Toyota, for example, might have 15%, uh, 12, 15% share, something like that. Uh, to answer your questions, I think that the over number of cars is flat to down over time because people are just going to get more utilization. They, they thought of car ownership is going to be less important because uh, there's going to be uh, less friction in getting uh, hailing a ride. Um, number one. Uh, and number two is that uh, ultimately uh, you're going to have somebody like uh, Tesla that, that might have, it's not going to be 75% market share, but they may there may be a world where they get 20% market share and that's going to be, uh, you know, we're talking about 20 million vehicles versus 350,000 today. Okay. All right. So let's move on. I believe your stock of the year, your pick of the year for 2019 was Apple, correct? That's correct. And here we are. It's what I believe is getting up close to 80% of the year. Is it, 
meet your expectations is fine. I know you don't have specific price targets here. I know when we talked at the FinTech Awards, I don't even want to throw out that number you gave me there is where you thought the, the uh, you know, your possible price target. But talk about why you liked it in 19. Is it going to, I mean, how can it perform in 19 like or 20 like it did in 19? Talk to us what's going to drive Apple in 2020. So I think this idea of a consumer staples tech company should garner a higher multiple. So uh, ultimately, I think that the stock can go higher. Uh, I think it's um, 350 or $400 uh, stock. Um, I didn't answer your first question. Um, I set out uh, at the beginning of the year thinking this will be a $350 plus stock, but thought that was over a couple years. Okay. Um, I think it's closed more of that gap in 2019, but I still feel, so now we're at a, if I thought of that as a kind of a two year window, that 350 to 400 range. Um, and I think at the time we were sub 200, something like that. Uh, I think that this is, um, it's probably hard to believe, but I think that that's still uh, a year plus away. But um, I think that this is still setting up to be a great performer for next year. And to answer your question, how does that happen? There's two factors going on. One is this, like I was talking about this, a different view on Apple's multiple. And I think that's happening. I think uh, investors are slowly viewing this as just a steady uh, growth, slow growth, uh, returns a lot of capital to investors. There is always been this belief that Apple should trade at a lower multiple versus its peers because it's hardware based. And that is rooted in the view that hardware companies are more hit driven, that they can, their businesses can um, be uh, evaporate in the future. And of course the, uh, the textbook examples are, are Blackberry and, and, uh, and Nokia. And so um, that was uh, uh, more than 10 years ago, but it was a very painful um, exercise for investors. What I think will happen is that this, this view, and I'll call that view that hardware is insufficient, that it's somehow suboptimal type of a business. I'll call that the, uh, uh, a flat earther view. And, uh, and the reason is that if you look at the numbers over the last decade, actually the hardware combination with software services, all of that that Apple's been doing has driven more gap income per year than FANG combined, the rest of FANG combined. And so if the true measure of investing is uh, gap income, then I think that investors will slowly view this as a comparable multiple. So let's give it a comparable multiple to Facebook. Google is a little bit lower. I call it 28 times this year, Facebook 31. And then of course you have Netflix and Amazon that are higher. But if you give it a Facebook multiple, that's $371. And I think that's realistic. All right, so th that was your thought on, on Apple and your stock of 2019, Gene. What about your stock of 2020? Have you figured that one out yet? Yeah, we're, we're going to say more, but I think it's uh, a lot of the same uh, that we saw in, in 2019. I think you're going to, uh, like we were just talking about with Apple there. I mean, I think that that is a, a realistic view about how 2020 plays out. Um, I think uh, – with uh, another one, I think this, uh, what's going on in Tesla, I continue to believe that that will move higher and based on, in part, because um, I think that the number of deliveries will continue to rise quarter on quarter. Um, on the kind of on the flip side, on things that are a little bit more challenged, uh, I've been negative on 
Netflix, I've been wrong. I believe that more competition is going to yield slower sub growth. And we're not going to see that in the December quarter. The company has been uh, kind of making some hints that uh, that's not going to happen, that things are going to be fine. So when I think about stocks that may not do as well, I think about a company like Netflix actually may do pretty well in 2020. But then as soon as uh, consumers need to really pay for these other streaming services, so when Apple goes from free to pay in 2021, Disney maybe raises its prices, uh, that's when things get more difficult because uh, just like Prime Video never really was much of a competitor in terms of uh, Netflix. I think that because it was free, people just got it for free. There's no reason to turn off something that you're paying for when you're getting something else for free. Uh, I see that as uh, one in 2021 that becomes a headwind, but you're asking about 2020. So um, I think surprisingly, actually, maybe Netflix is more uh, in a better place which uh, than a, a negative place, which is a different view that I've had. No, you're... Uh, sorry. Let's move on here. Uh, let's just talk to the other big guns here. Uh, what we talked to you a month or so ago, Amazon just kind of hanging out here, uh, ignoring the rest of the market, not going up to new all-time highs. Boy, is that going to happen soon, or is this uh, just the way Amazon's going to trade here in 2020? I, I think Amazon's a great company. I uh, technically, I'm, I'm not a technician, but I frequently talk to technicians it feels like uh, uh it's at a point where it should do better technically uh -huh. but to answer your question from a fundamental standpoint uh, i think that the fundamentals will be good enough to keep it uh here where it is or moving higher but i think there's better performance in other companies all right and then uh google uh changes uh at the head of the company that seemed the wall street seemed to like that just bumping up here against all-time highs any thoughts on google it was a great story to own longer term, put it in a similar camp to Amazon uh, in that I think your, your, your money's better placed in other companies like uh, Apple or Tesla. Okay. Uh, do you follow Square at all as that popped in the chat, SQ? Uh, I follow, but not enough to be uh, smart about it. Okay. All right. What about this stock? Um, I believe it's LTHM. We've discussed that a few times on the show. Uh, I guess they're kind of the lithium live in corp. That's the name of it. Uh, are they tied to Tesla as far as the success for batteries? Uh, stock's starting to show some life here after a rough IPO in 2000, late 2018 and early 19. Yeah, I do think that this is one to own if you have uh, a view that share my view that electrification is the future of automotive. It's an arms supplier to the arms race. Um, and I think what is surprisingly encouraging is um, the company actually slightly missed its uh, output expectations when they reported their recent quarter a couple weeks ago. The stock traded down 5% and then they kind of just bounced right back up. I think there is a lot of lumpiness in terms of how order flows are going between different lithium suppliers and was encouraged that uh, despite that negative uh, uh, news that the stock rebounded. I think that to me is an indication that um, expectations are low and ultimately this company still is in front of uh, that, uh, that, that wave that we've talked about. And so bottom line is I'm still um, a believer. It's a small company, but if you're looking for a small cap uh, way to play the future of transportation, I think um, Livencore, particular 
LTHM is a, a great place to be. All right. What about, do you follow Roku? Uh, I do not. Okay. All right. That we just got a question about that. Is there anything, I mean, I've asked you about the big guns. Is there anything you don't like? Is there any? Uh, I'll give you, uh, there's one in, that uh, I would um, mention too. And this is if, if for, for your, we've, we've never talked about this one. Um, so for, I covered uh, e-commerce in China for a long time. Uh, and then in Latin America with uh, Mercado Libre and have kind of done this emerging markets e-commerce. So th this I would put as um, worth doing more work on okay. uh, on the long side, but it's a, it's a small company. It's a, a $480 million market cap. It's Jume Technologies. The ticker is J-M-I-A. That's Juliet, Mike, Indigo, Alpha. Okay. And uh, it is, uh, the stock has gone, uh, it's been uh, just an IPO for, um, uh, call it uh, since the spring, it's gone from 45 down to five. I'll, I'll say that again. It's gone from $45 down to $5. Correct. There's been, uh, but the reason why I, I put it out there is it's uh, what they do is uh, e-commerce in Africa. And so uh, I know that sounds off base. Like why would you want to invest in Africa? But it is a, a company that can, a country, a, a continent that can be, a continent that can be uh, uh, vastly transformed through tech. And I, I see uh, they're uh, one of the, the leaders within that. And the, the reason why the stock is down is there was some seller fraud that was going on that's typical. And we saw it in Latin America, we saw it in China. Um, and they've rationalized some of their spending now and they've gotten out of a couple smaller markets. Uh, but anyway, that would be one uh, that, if you just believe in e-commerce longer term, you believe in the continent of Africa. Um, I realize it's way outside the typical strike zone, but it's, it's popped up on my radar. All right. And I forgot to ask you about uh, Facebook. Uh, I think you turned during our monthly chat, I uh, kind of turned a little bit towards the, the bullish side here in Facebook. You talked about the Libra. Uh, just give your outlook for Facebook in 2020. I think that that one is just going to continue to inch higher. And as you mentioned, that was one I have turned my view on. I'm not a believer in uh, what good Facebook and Instagram bring to the world. I think the world is better without it. But I need to set aside my uh, personal views and think about what this means to advertisers. And their reach and the ability to target is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And advertisers just don't have a lot of places to go that can give them what Facebook can give them. There's only one other place, which is Google. And so I think as, as, uh, as long as that uh, uh, reality is in place, I think the company is going to continue to be uh, successful. All right, Gene Munster, founding partner at Loop Ventures. Gene, thank you so much for the time today. Have a great rest of uh, your year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that jazz. We'll talk to you in 2020. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Gene. I'll talk to you soon. All right, and that will be it for our show today. Um, we'll obviously be off tomorrow, although it is Christmas, so maybe Joel and I will hop on. Joel? Yeah, No? Okay, we won't. Uh, so we'll be back with you on Thursday. I want to thank both our guests today, Gene Munster and Gordon Johnson. Thanks to everybody in our chats. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. You can always catch our podcast or rewatch our show 
on youtube.com slash TV. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Merry Christmas to all. And we'll, we'll be back on Thursday. Baby Yoda. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.